Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod, World Cup edition, the final part <laughs> after Germany's exit in the group stage again. I'm Rafael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we will conduct the post-mortem, sharpen our scalpels, cut open the body and see what we can find. Suspected cause of death, Christoph, in my view, chronic imbalance and hyperprofligacy. Good. Discuss. <laughs> But before we start, before we start to put our scalpels, um, how is your mood? Are you shocked? Are you simply disappointed? What's your mood? Because you, you've been in the stadium, you've been around the players, the coaches, and and, and so on. And um, but 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 what's your 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 personal? What's your mood now? Uh, I'm a bit annoyed. Mm -hmm. um, I feel sorry for the players. That's my overall. Uh, Uh, overarching feeling. I, the reason I wanted Germany to, work, to do well, yes, they're my team. I don't have any other one when it comes to uh, nationality. It's good for business, but really most importantly, I want these players to do well because I know the kind of pressure and criticism they, they'll get if they don't. And I just feel sorry for them. Uh, seeing Joshua Kimmich yesterday in the mix zone saying, it's hard for me to cope because I will be linked with these failures. And at the moment, I'm a little bit worried that I might fall into this hole. It was like, oh, this is, this is bad. This is really, really bad. Felt, felt really sorry for him. And anger because it's unnecessary. They didn't have to go out. This was not a case of a team being outplayed and the other side is better and you have so many problems and you can't get it together and then you go home and you, you try again. This is really Germany just beating themselves and you will see other teams in this in this competition, the knockouts, who are clearly not the, quite the same <laughs> quality and you just wonder how Germany got it so so wrong in that sense. It's just, yeah, it's annoying. Really annoying. Frustrating. There were times... Um, when a lot of people were wondering, I mean, back in the years, how can Germany go so far in the tournament? Um, let's say, for example, in Korea and Japan, when they made it to the final, uh, everybody was like, ah, but they don't have the quality and, and um, they are very lucky and, um, and so on. Um, my feeling is, um, that nowadays it's it's almost the opposite. You 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 see these this team and you see the the players and and you think yeah they have the quality and then comes what what you said at the the uh, in the beginning this uh, almost surreal lack of of balance between uh, be, between defense and offense um, and and also. They are not lucky again, uh, not lucky anymore. I, I, it's also, I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it sounds like the easy escape to say, 
Ooh, they they were unlucky. I mean, we we talked extensively about um, the Japan uh, game, um, but um, but also the circumstances of um, how Japan progressed, um, how they won against Spain. I mean, if if you look at the chance distribution um, of uh, in all these matches Germany was playing, um, they easily could have gotten more out of it. And um, you you don't want to to hear that today. <laughs> um, no, I think you're right. But in the wider context of these three tournament failures, I think there's something wrong that makes you more susceptible to bad luck. And that is, I think, that lack of killer instinct up uh, in front of goal, which comes sometimes with just not having the number nine. I think, I don't know if there's data, but increasingly the more I see Germany play, also the more I see Bayern play with and without a striker, I feel that in the grand scheme of things, yes, it doesn't really matter who takes a shot because it kind of all balances out. But over smaller sample sizes, maybe it does make a big difference whether you have a center forward taking them or you have wingers and number 10s in these situations and we don't know what happens because the counter argument is that with the number nine up there you might not create so many chances to begin with you don't have the flexibility so it's impossible to prove one or the one way or the other what i would say christoph and this is something i wrote in my piece for the athletic today is that it's all connected the fact that they can never quite keep a clean sheet they've conceded a goal in every single game since getting knocked out in 2016 in a, in a competition, which is way too much. Not just that, they've been behind in every single game since getting knocked out of 2016, which is a crazy stat if you think about it. That forces you then to take more risks. The more risks turn into more defensive instability and you are constantly kind of chasing games and games are constantly too open and too wild. And then prone to bad fortune as a result. We have to get back back to the point where 1-0, 2-0, kill the game, do nothing, stop playing, like they should have had a, should have done against Japan. Or at least make a compromise almost with yourself. Say, okay, we will create fewer chances, but we will also concede far less. And in a tournament where we know the margins are so far. I think you have to give yourself a better chance to get lucky or not to get unlucky. Uh, that's a very good point. And when you look at yesterday's um, match and um, think about the first 40 minutes, it was it was like watching one of these first or second round cup matches. So 100%, that's exactly how I felt. And and it was like, ah, yes, the, the, the team from the Bundesliga comes to the village or to the small town, to the small team. And the, the small team is, is defending bravely. And, but, but they, in a way, they are completely overwhelmed. And, but then it's only one nil, but it should be three nil or, or even four nil. And then minute 43 came and they had this um, long ball 
and this non-clearance by um, David Raum, and then this. I don't know what happened to Antonio Rüdiger also. So it was it was linked. So these two players ma were making this almost grotesque mistake, and uh, uh, and then Manuel Neuer saved it brilliantly. So it was what was a, a fantastic um, save by him. And you could see immediately that something was creeping into these players, and. Uh, that um, they later on in the second half at a time were 2-1 down. It was uh, how they defended these these goals that were so... I mean, that was not um, a, a lack of concentration or something like this. It, it looked like... The, I mean, for me as a Bochum supporter, I would be utterly frustrated if if they would concede these kind of goals in in the Bundesliga. And we we we're talking here about a team that is um, fighting against relegation, and so so um, that has to do with yeah, not mentality is maybe the ability to concentrate. I don't I don't know, but in, in the end. It's 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 a simple case of the quality you have as a player. If you're if you're if you're able to, uh, and, and again, Costa Rica, they are a small team. Um, they are playing in very small leagues. Most of the players, and um, and how, how can you completely lose it within? almost seconds against this kind of team. Is there too much pressure on the players? Is uh, Aren't they prepared for, for, for this kind of stuff? I mean, they are playing in the Champions League. They are playing in top clubs. They uh, all have um, had um, this kind of situation playing in quarterfinals, semifinals of the Champions League. They won, won titles uh, en masse and so on. I, it, it's, it's almost inexplicable. It is, but at the same time, it is very explicable because you see players who have individual problems in this tournament. And then, in my view, when Germany played the way they usually play against teams like Costa Rica, like Japan, but also against betters, they then make these problems worse by not really protecting the back. And I think we can say that with, with some degree of confidence because we saw against Spain how it can be different when a team defends much more compactly, when a team is prepared to have the ball less, when a team is happier to, at least in spells, to be quite reactive, but protect their own goal with much more conviction and that all of a sudden everyone looks better. You know, Zulis still looks slow and he concedes, the, he concedes the goal, but the fullbacks, they managed to hide their problems to a much bigger extent than they would have been otherwise when you're constantly one we one and you're always exposed and every single mistake might be fatal. And that's when I think the real insecurity comes in, knowing that you have no protection, knowing that there's no one behind you knowing that you are up against yourself. And Müller said something so interesting after the game. I mean, he's always interesting to talk to. But he said, we don't have specialists in all the positions. And he refused to go into details. He started saying, well, we have a lot of talented players, but... And then he looked up and just thought, 
what's the point and just walked away having said before that he didn't want this to be a situation where people talk about negatively about each other but the lack of specialists both in the nature of some of the players but also in terms of the quality of some of the players i think ultimately germany were not able to hide that well enough or you might say to counter that by scoring so many goals at the other end that it doesn't matter that you win every game 4-2 like you did against Costa Rica which was the result that they needed but I don't think that is a viable setup and I don't think that Flick with his style has helped this team mm -hmm. in that respect I, t I totally agree I, I mean if, remember I, I tried to um, talk Christian Günther into the team and um, mm, yeah. <laughs> and that's I don't want to be, be be clever in hindsight but but my my thinking behind it was exactly that um, to that that you need a setup for the team um, that is defensively stable and and um, f as you said Flick's thinking is is a kind of um, uh, offensive defending so, so the concept is clear. I mean, you, you see it with many great teams that they defend very high. And, 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 and when you defend very high um, and, and take the ball away from your opponent very easy, uh, very early, um, your defenders are, are protected in a way. But, but it's impossible to sustain this for 90 minutes. And, uh, it's impossible to sustain that against um, very good teams. And um, so, so maybe um, the, the attitude or the approach to how the German team has to, has to switch to, to think defensively first. What do we have to do To not con to not concede a goal, and then when when we manage that, we have all these fantastic players that in a way should be able to score a goal, and um, and I think to 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 turn this logic round uh, sh should help the team and also helps the um, um, the players that um, uh, under the, uh, certain circumstances tend to lose their nerves because they get under pressure and, and, and so on. But um, it, w would that be enough or, or would that help? Or are there simply not the players around uh, to play that kind of football? No, I, I don't think it's a problem with the players. If you don't have a decent defense, help them. Help them by not making their job harder. Help them by putting players ahead of them who think defensively, who work as hard as Germany did against Spain, who start in deeper positions, who just don't expose themselves as much and just play slightly more pragmatic. It's amazing that Hansi Flick, who was part of the Joachim Löw setup, has kind of forgotten the, the lessons of the Löw era. The biggest one, if you will, in 2014 was exactly what we just talked about make sure you don't lose games. And the four, first four games of the 2014 World Cup were played with four centre-backs because Germany said, it's going to be hot. We don't know if we can play our football. Let's just make sure we can get through this. And I think it was Urs Siegenthaler, the, 
guru <laughs> of Joachim Löw uh, and tactical analyst who wrote, we have to set the idea aside. In other words, be really pragmatic and move away from your ideals. Flick didn't do that or didn't do that enough. The other lesson he didn't learn, which would have, should have been the lesson of 2018, is not to be too loyal to players and actually make the right decisions, not the right decisions to keep everyone happy, to keep the team harmony, but to make the right decisions that the games demand. And I'm thinking of not taking off Ilka Gündoğan for Leon Goretzka in, in a Japan game when Flick felt, I'm sure Goretzka has to play, Goretzka's angry otherwise, the game is, we, we're playing well. Not to find a weird system, in my view, that he did at the game in Costa Rica that helps him to play all the big names. You know, Kimmich needs to play, Goretzka needs to play, Müller needs to play, Gündoğan needs to play. But I also want Jamal Musial on the 10, so what do I do? Oh, I'm going to put Joshua Kimmich on the, on the right. Just pick your team. It's great to be everyone's friend and stuff, but you have to, as a national manager, be a little bit more ruthless, I think. Because you, there's no comeback. You, you mess up 20 minutes against Japan and that was the end of the tournament. We know that now. And I think we felt it at the time that this could be the case. But this really comes down to those 20 minutes. Everything else, you might say, with all the flaws, was enough. They beat Costa Rica. They could have beaten Costa Rica by much more, many more goals. They could have beaten Spain, but got the draw that they needed, the minimum. But the Japan game is where they really messed things up. And it was not necessary to mess things up to that extent. In our um, fabulous um, learning Fußball Deutsch, um, we, we probably can talk today about a nasty word that you also used in your article. It's, it's not proper Football Deutsch. It's more like tabloid Football Deutsch. It's Chefchen. Learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. <laughs> Raphael, what's, what's the concept <laughs> behind Chefchen? Uh, Chefchen is like a little chef, but not the chef who, uh, who works in the kitchen, but the boss, you know, a little boss or a, a boss who's only a boss in their own mind, a wannabe who's not really the boss. And You mention it because Bild used to have a go at the likes of Philipp Lahm and Schweinsteiger in particular before they won the Champions League and then the year later the, the World Cup with Germany and would always question their moral integrity and their bottle and their character because to lose those big games in old sort of very old German football thinking is always down to you not wanting it enough and not running enough and being somehow weak. And of course, this only changes once you win. The moment you win, you are then the true boss and you're not weak, you're strong, and then everything is fine. And we see the same discussion now with, uh, with Jo Kimmich and maybe there's something in the complexity of this game or the stupidity of this football game, which can come, come down to luck that people want these explanations. But I think it's a really silly debate and just doesn't help anyone. So <laughs> but, but we were... might as well talk about the hairstyles of the players or the fact that they're sleeping in five-star hotels and say, you know what, this is, 
they should go back to the seventies and be in a, uh, youth hostel <laughs> in bunk beds. Um, it's just, it's just a stupid, stupid way of looking at, at it in my view. Interestingly, our friend Thomas Hitzelsberger, who is uh, one of the pundits in, uh, German TV, he, yesterday he was saying he, he was, he was using this argument in a, I don't know how to say it, wicked way or strange way. He he was he was complaining um, that the players were not angry enough, and uh, he was saying, "Ich möchte Wut. I want I want to see anger." I understand what he says, but I don't agree. First of all, I think that you saw the team push forward and create goals and do everything that they could. They didn't just give up. Yes, they lost their way completely, but they came back just as they did against, against Spain and they got the result that they needed. That's the first thing. And we are only talking about this because something somewhere else happened. You know, let's pretend for one minute that Spain find an equalizer. Would anyone say, oh, you know, Germany weren't angry enough. They weren't do this, they weren't do that. No, they got the result that they needed. Yes, in shambolic way. And yes, <laughs> they probably don't go very far playing this way. But I don't think that is, is, a, is a reasonable accusation. The other thing I would say is that in the stadium, it was very strange because this was the first game that I've ever seen at this level where a team is playing... And they know at some stage of the game, whatever I do here is irrelevant and has no bearing on whether I stay in this World Cup or I'm going home. And I think that sense of kind of helplessness, of not having agency, of not being in control was so difficult to deal with and was so deflating and unsettling that when it was over, there was no one screaming or, you know, uh, doing, I don't know what Thomas uh, suggested they would do, you know, bite into the corner flag <laughs> or I don't know what, what he wanted to see. But this was just a team that lost even though they had won. Mm -hmm. And I think that for a sports person is very, very hard to deal with. Also, I think the idea that, you know, we, I think these players are raised to think, okay, Only this game, you know, forget what was in the past, forget what's in the future. I have to concentrate on this game. But then you go and you lose, not because what happened in this game, but what happened two games before. And then you have to explain your not win or your lack of progress by what happened two games before. It just seemed, I think, so difficult almost emotionally as a concept for the players to, to get to grips with that they were just sort of distraught and not really knowing what to do in this type of situation. I, I think the, the best you can compare it to is um, last day of the season, the relegation fight, you know, you, you need to win, and but somewhere else at some other, uh, in some other stadium, you need a certain result and you, you don't get it. And uh, there, there you yeah. see it. Jürgen Klopp knows all about that, <laughs> and his mind's team. Uh, yes, the the other way around when they when their minds were almost promoted like seven times or so, and so and uh, only made it the last time. 
But but I wanted to to come back to what you were you were quoting Thomas Müller with having not not enough or no specialists, and here we are uh, discussing the education of players in in German football, the German youth concept, and and so on. I think the problem has been seen for some years now, but the problem is that the peop the players that might help us are 14 now correct <laughs> 14 it's going to take time and so so um let's be honest um it will take six, seven, eight years before before things turn around again yeah maybe maybe a little bit less than that but if you want to have a ma macro view then you can say there are systems, systemic problems, but I don't think they explain what's going on right now completely. And they shouldn't excuse what's going on completely because your job as the FA, but more so as Hansi Flick, is to deal with these problems and find a way through them. And that, that really is national team management because uh, there is this, uh, this metaphor of the short blanket, you know, you pull... And then your feet are exposed and then you put them back on your feet and then you're cold because you often, even the big nations often have these issues in certain positions. And for whatever reason, you cannot fix them straight away because you cannot just bring in the French guy who will do it for you as Bayern Munich do or <laughs> uh, most other clubs. So you have to find a, find a way of, of doing that. And it shouldn't be that difficult because... If I compare this team to, let's say, the 2004 team or the 2002 team or the 2000 team, this is so much better. Yeah, but this is so so much better. But but, but we they need to get better results. Yeah, and 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 um, the the these teams you were mentioning, they probably knew more about their limitations, and um, they had played. They had started playing like an underdog. Exactly. I mean, 2002 was underdog football. Absolutely. And they went into, I think, the game against the Netherlands in 2004, where they got a draw, thinking, yeah, well, of course, the thing we have to do is make sure that there's no football game here. We have to <laughs> be compact and um, destroy their game. And then maybe we can score a goal from a header, from a corner or from a set piece. That was the thinking at the time. I, I'm not suggesting that we should go back to that and play like Switzerland do, but there is a much happier medium to be found. And right now we have an imbalance that, uh, that looks bad. Now, Christoph, I think in the shortness of time, we should not discuss all the possible fallout for the likes of Oliver Bierhoff or... Or Hansi Flick, maybe we'll we'll get time in a in another post mortem before we leave you for a little winter break. But in the immediate sort of future, where do you see this team going? Do you see some players stepping down? Do you see some players coming through? What's going to happen in terms just in terms of the playing personnel in the next uh, let's say a couple of months? Thomas Müller was giving his farewell in a in in a way it, it it sounded like so he was interviewed in german tv right after the match and he 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 was addressing the german public 
So he was looking into the camera and saying, um, that might be my last game and I want to thank you all and um, I've given it all on the pitch every day and I liked it very much, blah, blah, blah. So it sounded like uh, the, as if he wanted to say goodbye. Surprisingly, in, in a way, maybe, maybe he, is, he is rethinking it in the weeks to come because um, the, the um, European Championship in one and a half years in, um, in Germany... Uh, I think it's very attractive, uh, attractive also for Manuel Neuer and um, and others. So somebody like Florian Wirtz will be in the team. Then he he was um, he was out with a cruciate ligament injury uh, that he had picked up and was not fit again. And there are other players, but I think the 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 main po you you already made the main point. Um, the approach to to how the German team uh, uh, has to play has to change. Um, I think that's the most im important thing. That it's more concentration on the defensive side of the uh, of the game. I, I think that's um, on the priority list. That's top one. Yeah, maybe we can hire some uh, Italian consultant <laughs> uh, to help with that because our set piece consultant um, from Denmark. Uh, didn't uh, I don't know what the KPIs looked like, but yesterday they were pretty ropey uh, all those corners, and yeah, maybe we need to to teach teach our boys um, some good old fashioned Strafraumverteidigung to use another Fußball Deutsch when it's like box defending the box. But in the meantime, I uh, just want to thank you, uh, Christoph. Uh, thank you, uh, listeners, as well, especially if you are supporting us. If you're not yet, uh, please go to steadyhq.com slash en slash honey and do help us put this uh, tiny but perfectly formed podcast on the road for a bit longer. I think me and Christoph will come back one more time before Christmas to talk about the fallout of what's going to happen. Will Hansi Flick stay? Will Oliver Bioff stay? Uh, enough, I think, to discuss before we we'll leave you for a little break and then come back refreshed in January. So in the meantime, thanks for listening. I was Rafael Honigstein and... I am Christoph Biermann and I also thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Bier and Honey, the German football podcast. <laughs>